0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we are studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today is episode 120. We're looking at John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Let's read the passage. Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true, because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true, because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these things by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Well, we had the uh, little interlude with the uh, woman caught in adultery in the first part of John chapter 8. Now we're back to the events of the Festival of Tabernacles. So Jesus is interacting with them again. It's it's hard to say exactly when this is. The festival itself was seven days, but then there was an eighth day tacked on at the end, which was a, a day of solemn assembly this may be occurring on the 8th day. Uh, the 8th day is, is given in Leviticus 23 36. Now it's significant to remember we, we talked about the water, the water ceremony, that each day of the first six days would be this water procession that uh, the, one of the priests would go down to the Pool of Siloam, the Well of Salvation, fill a golden pitcher with water, and there would be a great procession back into the the city, uh, into the temple, to the altar, and and there the water would be poured out the base of the altar. And this was to remember God's provision of water for the Israelites as they were in the wilderness, but it was also to thank God for the, the rain of the previous year and pray for rain for the coming year. That on the seventh day were seven processions with the water. Seven times to the Pool of Siloam and pouring out the water. And it was the great celebration time. And it was in that context that Jesus talked about the living water. Well now Jesus is talking about light and it's important to remember something else that goes on at the Feast of Tabernacles and it has to do with light. The Temple building is in the center of the temple area, and then immediately surrounding the temple itself is what's called the court of Israel. And this was the men of Israel were allowed to come into this area. And then surrounding that was the court of women. And then surrounding that was the court of Gentiles. And that kind of was the limit of where you know Gentiles, people who had not been fully brought in as an Israelite, Uh, could go no further than the court of Gentiles. And women could go no further than the court of women. So those were the names. And we're told down in verse 20 that he spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple. Well, the treasury is located in the court of women. So we know that's where Jesus is. He's in the court of women. Now, it's not just women in the the court of women but the women could go no further than the court of women. And a lot goes on in that area. One of the things that happens during the Feast of Tabernacles is they erect 475 75-foot tall candelabras. These are the, the menorah, the, the seven lamps on a 75-foot tall tower and they're fed by oil. The wicks of the lamps are made from the used clothing of the priests. And young men would climb up ladders to, to light them each day. They created a tremendous amount of light. It apparently just lights up everything at night like daylight. These, these giant uh, candelabras. And, and they occurs every day during the Festival of Tabernacles. On the eighth day, they're not lit, so it's dark. This is part of the solemn assembly. And the for the purpose of these giant candelabras, and remember, one of the parts, uh, purposes of the the feast of tabernacles is to remember God's provision for the Israelites in the wilderness. Well, God led the Israelites with the the pillar of fire at night and and the column of smoke at, at, during the daytime, and so the uh, the the giant candelabras with these big fires on top of them are. Reminiscent of the, the pillar of fire that led the Israelites during the wilderness, their time in the wilderness. So now, here on the eighth day, when there is no light from the candelabras on that day, we have in verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. Now, there's prophecies in the uh, the Bible that talk about God in the end times being the light for his people. Isaiah talks about this in, in Isaiah 61, that God will be your light. So here Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. And it's significant that this is the the, the day of where the candelabra are not lit. Now, this is one of the big I am statements. There, there's seven statements that is much universally accepted as the I am statements, even though there's several places where Jesus actually uses the uh, uh, Ego me Greek phrase, I am. This is the, the second one. The first one was, uh, I am the bread of life. This one, I am the light of the world. Then in a while we'll see, I am the door. Then I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth of the life. I am the true vine. Those are the seven traditional I am statements of the Gospel of John. So this is the second one where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So the Pharisees have to respond to this, and they do in verse 13. The Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Notice they're not arguing what he said. They're arguing that uh, what he says isn't valid testimony, as if this was a court. You're saying this, but the law says you have to have two witnesses. You can't testify about yourself. So we will not listen to what you're saying because you're testifying about yourself. Jesus says in verse 14, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. So even if it's not legal testimony per their understanding of the law, that doesn't make it not true. And it is true. Jesus is the light of the world. And that's where Jesus is saying, well, yeah, I'm testifying about myself, but it happens to be true. And then he adds on to this, and I say things with authority here. Because I know where I came from and where I'm going. That is, I came from heaven and I'm going back to heaven. But you guys don't know that. So I'm speaking from a superior position here. Then in verse 15, he says, you judge by human standards. It literally, it's according to the flesh, which is what Jesus is saying. You, you judge according to the flesh. That is, you judge according to what you see, what you touch, what you see, what you know. It's very limited, particularly compared to Jesus. And then he adds, I judge no one. Now, back in chapter 3, the interaction with Nicodemus says that Jesus came not to judge the world, but to save the world. But Then he adds in verse 16, and if I do judge, my judgment is true, because it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. So, is he talking about end times here where there will be judgment, or is he talking about the here and now, him making a judgment about their judgment? It's probably both. John likes these uh, dual meanings. So he probably is in in the background there talking about the the end times where he will be the judge of the world. About here and now, it's, uh, I make a judgment on your making a judgment, and I find it lacking. Verse 17, even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So, in a legal sense, you need two witnesses to testify. And Jesus is saying, you know, even in your standards, there's two. There's me, and, and there's the Father. Well, they say you can't testify about yourself. Well, Jesus is no ordinary witness, as, as he said earlier. You know, I came from heaven. I'm going back to heaven. I am not an ordinary witness, and the things I say are true. So he mentions the Father. And verse 19, then they ask him, where is your father? And Jesus says, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. We see this a lot, this, you can't know the father without knowing me. Can't know me without knowing the father, because we are that closely linked together. So we could look back on it our way and say, you can't know God the father without knowing God the son, and vice versa. And then we know that those who do know the Son also, as Jesus spoke earlier about the living water, John added, he was talking about the Spirit, we also know God the Spirit. So it's a, it's a package deal. You, you either know God or you don't know God. And to know God is to know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 20, he spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, But no one seized him, because his hour had not yet come. So the treasury is located in the court of women. So we know that's where he was speaking, the place where these 75-foot-tall candelabras had been lit up every night for the previous week, creating just an incredible brightness of, of light. But today, they're not lit. And Jesus stands there and says, I am the light of the world. They don't like it. They're out to get him, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. We've seen this before now where they want to seize him, but they don't. The reason being because his hour has not yet come. So however they are restricted from laying hands on him, the temple guards wouldn't do it because they were so impressed with his teaching. Uh, sometimes we see where it's uh, they are physically restrained or Jesus you know disappears from their sight. Jesus evades them another way. So we don't know why no one seized him other than, well, we do know why, because it wasn't time yet and God wasn't allowing it. But we don't know the uh, specifics of w- what it is that God did to prevent them from seizing him. The good news is, God is in control in this situation. And today. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.